Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Talking CFD with Robin Knowles. It's kind of like my show, but for CFD nerds, prepare to ignite. Like the man said, you're listening to another episode of Talking CFD, and if you're looking for a show about taking your CFD business to the next level, then you're in the right place. But today is a little bit different in that I'm not talking to the founder of the company. Today I'm talking with Fred Mendonca, Head of Operations at OpenCFD, one of the key players in the open phone ecosystem. So with a main offering that's both open source and freely available, who better to talk to than the Head of Operations about making that work from a commercial point of view? Welcome along, Fred. Hi, Robin. Thanks. I'm sure a lot of the listeners will be familiar with OpenFoam, um, and some of them will be deep into it and know all the, the nuances and what have you, but some who are a bit more casually acquainted with it. I wanted to just spend a minute or two just unpacking some of the names that we might come across in this interview. So correct me if I go wrong on this one, Fred. Sure. So OpenFoam's the code, Yep. and that started life in about 2004 in a little company called OpenCFD. Around 2011, OpenCFD was sold and then sold again to its current owners, um, ESI. Um, For those who don't know, ESI is a very big company um, in lots of respects. When OpenCFD was acquired, there was another entity created, the the OpenFoam Foundation. Today, we're talking with Fred from OpenCFD, part of ESI. So just to give you a bit of an idea of of how the the jigsaw fits together, and I'd quite like to come back to um, some of the OpenCFD-specific offerings later on, but I want to dig in first with how a small company with an open source product goes about making money in the context of a much bigger parent company. I'm guessing you do have to make money, Fred, yeah? Yes, indeed, yeah. We we all have to to earn our bread and uh, make sure the book balances at the end of the day. I'm guessing you have different activities other than just the um, just the development of the the code that you guys release. Could you give us a, a bit of a, an overview of what sort of things go on at OpenCFD? Sure. In in reality, it's not all that different um, the the open source model compared with uh, let's call it a COTS model, commercial off the set, off the shelf, because we're doing very many of the the same things. Um, uh, maybe I can just cover a few of those, Robin. Um, development, uh, services, support, training, licensing associated with branding, etc. Um, and, and all those components are pretty similar in open source uh, compared with, uh, with, with the commercial equivalent. Um, let's take licensing, for example. Uh, the, the licensing bit uh, in, in COTS is, is a lot of upfront effort. Um, You've got to convince the potential user that it's fit for purpose, that it's giving them some value at the end of the day. So um, an organization might be uh, very willing to, 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 to make a lot of effort up front. Um, but once that conviction has been made with the, with the customer, um, then um, it's much easier uh, further down the line to be, to, to be selling renewals of, of the license. Um, uh-huh. And a certain element of that is, is, is certainly the case also with, uh, with, with open source because you're building a relationship with the customer to treat them uh, in, in a way that you understand what they, their needs are, um, uh, convince them that uh, what you're uh, working with them on is uh, fit for purpose, and you're building a relationship and one of conviction between two, two parties that, uh, that build a lot of trust. Um, services and training, uh, it's kind of a lot harder um, because you're selling these uh, anew or afresh every time. Um, the, the, the service may be consulting or the training, and, and you can't uh, sell the same service uh, two times because it's done the first time. So you have to think of something new to do the second time. Um, so it's, it's a little bit harder work, but it is, a, it is certainly a revenue stream. 
Yeah, the, the the thing that is that is really complementary, I, I would say, is is really the uh, the concept of development and, and and support. That's where the two are are closest together. Um, that every code needs development, it needs spons- sponsorships for development, uh, and then once the thing is uh, available to the user, um, he needs uh, potentially support. He or she needs support and uh, how to use it, how to use it in the best way, and how to integrate that in in, in processes. Um, I'll. Probably, if I get the chance later on, uh, draw out the complementarity between support and development a, a, a little bit, uh, a little bit more. Um, but, uh, but in essence, it's no surprise to any, anyone that uh, uh, you know those are the main means by which even an open source model uh, creates its business. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard it described that with with COTS, you're selling the code and the support comes for free, and with the, uh, the open source, the code's free, but you have to pay for the support. Or is it is it a bit more nuanced than that? Um, nothing in the end comes for free. So uh, <laughs> all, all it's saying is that if 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 you look be beyond the the scene um, of of the license fee. Uh, just go to the next level. So what does the license fee comprise? Um, a certain percentage of the license fee uh, to the uh, founder organization would then go to reinvestment in development. Um, an- another portion or part of that would go into uh, continuing the operation for sustaining that development or making sure that the, the customer is running the code in the best way and that they're so happy with it that they're going to use it uh, next year and, and, and renew the license. So um, th- th- there's a lot of investment that comes from the license fee that are pointed at exactly those two things, um, uh, the development and the support organizations. And when you look at it in that way, it, uh, it, it really becomes very transparent. And uh, when you subdivide it, then you can work on the efficiencies of, uh, of, of both sides. And as I say, it's, it's no different from for open source there. Yeah, I guess it was a little remiss of me actually to uh, not highlight to listeners that uh, you are a particularly good guy to talk about this because before your current tenure at OpenCFD, you were at um, CD Adapco amongst other places. Um, So you've seen both sides of this um, open source, closed source coin. Do you think perhaps too much is made of whether a code is open source or otherwise? Do you think that's part of the value proposition? Uh, certainly, it's part of the value proposition, uh, Robin. I should say that I, I claim to be not an expert in in, in either side. I'm certainly not an expert in um, h- how best to uh, sit oneself in the um, uh, eco- ecosystem of uh, COTS. Uh, neither open source. Uh, I think we're all learning as we as we go along. Absolutely. So, so the value proposition, I think, is pretty much the same. Um, uh, COTS as well as uh, open source, at the end of the day, the customer is paramount here. He, he wants to get a job done. He wants to get it done in an efficient way and in a cost-effective way. Um, and if, if everybody recognizes that, then you, you understand the complementarity between, uh, between COTS and, and, and open source. And I'm not saying one or the other. And uh, you're right in saying that probably too much is made of it's either one or the other. In fact, they're complementary. And uh, we, 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 can, we can bring that uh, topic out a little bit more. Yeah, I'd quite like to dig into that a little bit more. What's your, what's your take on that then? Uh, okay, so uh, why does a customer use uh, a piece of software, uh, CFD, in, 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 this, uh, in this sense? There are some fundamental building blocks uh, which probably have to be satisfied. So um, I, I've got a small list over here. I hope you don't mind if I just yeah. run through them. So it needs to be robust. It's not going to fail after 10 iterations and uh, you set it running uh, just before you go off, uh, off, off home to dinner and you want to be sure that when you come back in the morning, the job is finished and it's, and it's run. That's robustness. Um, it needs to be accurate. Accurate means that uh, 
you're getting the right answer with respect to some reference. Uh, it could be analytical. It could be experimental. Um, it needs to be repeatable uh, so that if somebody in an organization uh, at, at place A is doing it, uh, that uh, it's it's going to be repeatable that if the same guy does it in a different location or a different platform or a different guy does it, but for the same job and, uh, and, and execution, uh, that it gives that repeatable answer. It needs to be automatable so that, you know, once you've done it once, you don't want to go through the whole process uh, that you went through the first time to run it the second and the third and the fourth time. It's great to be able to automate it. And it needs to be cost-effective. Um, the cost-effectiveness uh, says that when you're doing something repeatably, but you're not using all the components, then you, you want to be just focusing on the bits that you're using as opposed to all the other bits that, that come along with it. And that cost-effectiveness then uh, is the real bit that, uh, that, that, that uh, um, gives implication to uh, how much you're paying for the software um, and how much value it then brings back into the organization on the basis of a license fee or whatever other form of investment you're doing. Yeah. If you are doing things uh, once and you're, you're, you're only doing that one thing, then the automatability or the repeatability is, is, is really quite important. Um, if you're doing many, many different things and the next thing you do is, al is always different from the previous thing you do, uh, then the robustness and the ease of use is probably very important. Um, and it's probably the case that an organization will have some level of both that they are doing. They're doing something very repeatably and they're doing many things for the first time and they only do it once. And that's the nature of the complementarity between uh, COTS, which is easy to use and it's robust, um, and uh, an open source, which needs to be equally robust, but you're doing it repeatably. So you don't need to have the, the GUI and the ease of use because everything is automated and run in the background. Does that make sense? It, it does, absolutely, yeah. Um, so are we saying from that that open source speaks most to the cost-effectiveness of the code, of, of, a, of a choice? For, for, for sure. Um, I, th I think that the, the greatest criticism of, uh, of, of COTS software is that when, when you're using just one particular component and you're doing it repeatedly uh, in, in repetition, then uh, the amount of license fee that you end up paying for that, for something that is not going to be developed next year, uh, you're still using the same thing, and uh, then you're just adding on costs for the additional number of users and the additional number of processes, that's really where COTS is not getting a hugely good reputation. And that's probably where open source and, and this form of uh, repeatability uh, really comes becomes most cost effective. One aspect that um, is potentially uh, a little bit stronger with with open source codes is is a sense of community that that develops around around these codes where people um, kind of get to contribute or help each other out or something. Maybe that because sometimes there's a, a lack of kind of official support or I, I don't know, but um, you guys are, are working quite hard in that, in that respect. Can you give me an idea of how you see the community around um, OpenFoam and what you mean by community and how that fits into what you're trying to achieve? So, Robin, this is probably the, the, the hardest question for me to answer. Um, I, I'm going to continue to grapple with, uh, with this one for a while, I'm sure. Um, you know, who, who is the community? Th there are so many different elements to that. And let me just try and tease out some of those, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you have contributors, you have uh, users, you have uh, release or maintenance authority. So let's talk about contributors. It might be a big company, an OEM, um, uh, someone with great ideas, uh, research institute, university. Um, so these are contributors. 
Um, then you have users. The users might be in industry. The users might be in research, um, as, as you mentioned, consultants. Um, and then th there is a release and maintenance authority. Uh, and these are the guys who would um, um, implement developments and then release them for, uh, for the public and um, uh, maintain that development um, for what's already in there and continue, continue to develop it in, in future. So w when you say um, community... I can see so many different factions of community that if I ask each one of them, well, what do you want to get out of open form? Um, out of the five or six different examples that I've given you there, I'll probably get five or six different answers as to what the community means. So uh, it's, it's, it's an intriguing question. Uh, let me try and tease that just a little bit more uh, because uh, those who are listening to this uh, yourself and others will probably have a lot to say about this to help me to um, improve my understanding. The guy who, who goes on to the internet uh, on the first day and, and sees there's an open source product, so he downloads the open source, and in that action, I think is a, um, uh, it's a manifestation of many decades of man years of knowledge and investment that has already gone into that piece of software which is being downloaded as open source. Um, the phrase I like to use here is that we're standing on the, the shoulders of, of giants. And, Absolutely. and with CFD, there are so many giants around. Um, Spalding, in terms of his knowledge of, of physics and numerics, uh, Tony Jameson with, with, with numerics, um, and then a little bit closer to home um, when it comes to the sorts of methods that are, that, that are implemented in, in, in open form, there's Dimitzig and, and Perich uh, with their co-located and, and reach out interpolation. Um, there's the algorithmic side from Issa and Gosman with Piso. Uh, physics, let's just take turbulence as one example, Bradshaw and, and, and Spallart. Um, there's so many contributions uh, in, in there. So the conscientious downloader will probably, if he is being really conscientious, seek to feed back into that, as he called it, ecosystem. Uh, with respect to whenever he can do that, he, he will seek to reinvest back into the fact that he's downloaded something for free and is making use of it. And um, implicit in all that is, is tr to try to bring out the whole concept of back contributing. So uh, a, a, a good ecosystem, um, if I can suggest that, is really an environment which is trying to, to, to foster all those different parts, um, which is uh, all the contributions um, to foster knowledge sharing to give accreditation and to make sure that everything that is then ingested is maintainable. It's, it's not an easy question, and um, I'm sure I haven't begun to answer it, but at least it's a start. So it would seem then that it's important to have um, a channel by which people can contribute back um, in whatever way. I mean, maybe maybe several channels in which people can contribute back into that um, project, into that community, be that in code or um, by providing support or even, I guess, by providing um, some financial assistance if that's the uh, if that's how they want to um, to contribute back. Is that is that the case? Uh, it certainly, is the case. Uh, you mentioned some of the, the some of the things which would uh, constitute. Uh, contributing back again and I'm, I'm sure there, there are many more but uh, uh, you know as, as head of operations at, at OpenCFD uh, that's one of the, the things that I will probably be uh, working on most energetically um, in, in, in the coming months and years and that is to to make sure that we have a structure and a framework which is put into place which is um, 
uh, open and and happy to uh, accept and and acknowledge contributions coming from the the community, which we have still yet to define. I notice on your website you have a list of uh, ongoing, I believe they're ongoing, um, community projects, sort of thematic projects. Um, what was that? Did I spot Overfoam, Snappy Hex Mesh? I'm sure you can name them better than I can. But um, <laughs> is that an attempt to, to to sort of channel some of that um, that desire to to contribute back into into specific streams? Uh, ab- absolutely, and and these are te- teasers. Uh, the teasers are based on the fact that we already know what people are interested in, um, and it, it doesn't take a huge amount of imagination to to understand that these are uh, relevant topics. They are uh, warm or, or hot topics. They are holes in the um, offerings uh, in, in, in open form uh, at the moment, or they may be uh, areas which uh, are already work but can, can work a lot more efficiently. So, uh, you know, all, all you need to do in terms of determining uh, new features is, is really be open enough to ask people, you know, what would you like to go in? And, uh, and, and they'll definitely tell you. On that though, the what's the phrase? The uh, the squeaky wheel gets the most oil. So you got the people who are shouting the uh, the loudest about what what they need. Is there a degree of of management that you have to have a bigger vision of where you want the um, the code to go, and some things maybe don't fit in that in that vision? Uh, so that's a kind of a yes and no answer. The uh, the, the yes bit is uh, th- those who shout loudest will certainly get heard, uh, but you. Uh, obviously, obviously, have sensible people behind uh, organisations that are developing and uh, and, re- and releasing, so they they're able to um, uh, make make sense of the request, um, balance it with respect to whether this is a unique request or whether it's uh, it's it's a more general community request. Um, so, if if you're if you're talking to the right people, if you're open enough to to, to listen to, to to what they're asking for, um, and of course your investors will tell you anyway um, because they're investing in it um then i think overall you get the right balance of what what needs to go in um it's it's helpful when you have a a, a good view of what's already out there the competition is always extremely helpful in telling you what uh, what sells well because they're successful in it um hmm. so that a copy and paste is, is is never a bad thing but in in the end um it comes back to the point about the customer is more or less the center of uh, of this whole system that um, if you're attentive you build up a good relationship with them you understand their needs then the answer of what to do next is uh, is answered by itself on a on a related note to that i um noticed again on your on your website you now have a, a windows version that i believe was pretty popular was was that a surprise to you guys or did you did you know there were lots of people waiting for it and uh, and there was pent-up demand for that we knew that um, there was a lot of demand for that um, before before we made it uh, available. Um, the reason is that, uh, uh, that there are already Windows versions available. Um, the yeah. the obvious uh, uh, re- release authorities hadn't yet uh, formalized that, um, but the question was certainly being asked and was being asked very often. So it was more or less a no-brainer to say, uh, look, if you want to promote the, 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 the use of uh, any piece of software, it really needs to work on all platforms, um, uh, whether it's a high-functional platform, HPCs, etc., um, or simply just playing around to find out what it can do before you take the next step into high functionality. Um, and that's where you know, Mac OS and Windows comes into play. So as I say, it was a kind of a no-brainer uh, in, in terms of making sure that the uh, OpenFoam ecosystem remained popular. 
in demand um, that it was able to run on all available platforms. But you guys did that in a in a pretty interesting way in that you didn't do a sort of Windows native version in as much as it was heavily assisted by Docker. Indeed. And that seems to have had a, a knock-on into, into OpenFoam Plus, which we, we might come to in a moment. But um, I'm guessing Docker's been quite important to you guys. It, it has been. Um, and I noticed in some of your uh, your previous podcasts with the previous interviews that they've covered a lot of the benefits of, uh, of Docker. Um, so th- thankfully, it, 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 uh, it saves me repeating those, uh, those benefits. Yeah. I have not a great deal more to add to that. But let, let's say that for sure, it's, it's an enabling technology. Um, it's come at the right time for things like cloud computing and uh, use on distributed platforms. So again, this was uh, not a difficult choice that we, we had to make. It made itself available. Um, it's already become extremely popular. Um, and the cross-platform availability that it, uh, it, it gives you is, uh, is, is really next to none. Um, compare that with uh, native builds. Um, this is not 100% of the answer. Um, maybe in, in providing the Docker environment in, in, in Windows, it probably answers 90% of the need. That extra 10% will still exist. And um, it's nice to be able to hit the 90% and uh, then we worry about the 10% later. Oh, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a really nice approach to take, I think, to not not do something because you can't address the 100% in one go. The other thing about Docker is that it, it ties into what I was mentioning previously about uh, what CFD needs to to have in terms of fundamental building blocks. That's the robustness, accuracy, repeatability, automatability, cost effectiveness. Here, here's where repeatability is is really important. So, uh, Docker more or less guarantees that any user on any platform can be assured of getting exactly the same answer. Uh, the system itself is is, is robust. Clearly, it's uh, very cost efficient, uh, cost efficient, and and that's really great for what we perceive as the infrastructure of uh, open foam, but also uh, a general CFD infrastructure. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's why we like Docker. I mentioned there about um, open foam plus. I'd quite like to touch on that if possible. That is um, also a containerized, Dockerized release of of open foam um, that that you guys put out. Um, is that a reflection of your work with this this community aspect? That um, so it, it seems to be additional or extensional to the the, the core foam release. That is that thing. Are these all things that people have told you that um, that they need? Yeah, with with, with Open Foam Plus, um, the, the best way to answer that is to say that we, we're we're really answering the the, the need of of uh, our customers, and and the customers are those people that uh, are reinvesting in in Open Foam. They are part of the uh, community infrastructure with respect to. Uh, motivating the project as it moves forward. And uh, let's say the biggest motivation here was to say, okay, we've got a stable platform. Um, what we need to do now is to make sure that uh, the stable platform um, encourages as many contributions uh, as possible and that the contributions make it to the, um, the the general public in as fast a way as is possible. Obviously, you have to go through certain checkpoints um, uh, that it's efficient, that it's robust, that it's uh, it's usable and fit for purpose. And once all those things are um, ticked off, then th- they need to hit the uh, the open domain as quickly as possible. So that's really the motivation behind OpenFoam Plus is to make sure that um, the investment that is um, put in by uh, m- many contributors uh, and they want to see that in, in, in an open public release that that happens as quickly as possible 
What's next for OpenCFD, Fred? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's evolutionary to a certain extent, but uh, maybe I could uh, um, interlude with a with a small anecdote. Is that okay? Absolutely. So I, I, I like I like this uh, the, the, this text and this story yeah, quite a lot. So it's it's Plato's Symposium. Um, Alcibiades, um, who's um, uh, a public figure, he enters the gathering and he's on the arm of a flute girl. He's had a skinful, so he's got the hiccups. Um, the the resident doctor uh, Eryximachus tickles him with a feather, and that cures his hiccups. The value in that anecdote, essentially saying that the following, you know, open source has, has a lot of history. It, it, it probably predates COTS. Um, it's built, rather like the anecdote, on, on a gathering of very able people um, with disparate abilities who are happy to get together for a common good. And I'm not trying to philosophize this too much. Um, essentially, it's saying that a problem presents itself smart people are around to find a solution and to demonstrate in public that that uh, solution is, is is fit for, for purpose. You know, I, I say it kind of predates. Um, my, my grandfather was a village doctor, so he, he, he'd go and attend to villagers and uh, he, he then wouldn't take payment because they, could, they, they couldn't afford the payment. But that's not to say that he wasn't paid back. Um, the, the, the infrastructure is that there are many means uh, of reciprocation, and, and that's really what we want to to try to to, to, to bring out in this uh, going forward. So, in terms of what's next for OpenCFD, your, your your podcasts are pretty much uh, on on open the, the CFD part of OpenCFD. So, let me concentrate on the on on the open. Uh, we'll continue to try to make sense and understanding of the enigma of uh, community uh, to try and foster contributions to create uh, an ecosystem which really welcomes participation. And underlying all that is um, that perhaps I can leave you with a feather. Uh, it's a remarkable piece of uh, evolutionary engineering, but in the end it has uses which are probably beyond its original purpose. That's good. Um, we haven't been there yet in these in these podcasts, so I quite enjoyed that. We, we'll we'll have um, talking talking philosophy with Fred. I think that'll be uh, that'll be good. Um, thank you for coming on today, Fred. Where's the best place if if we do have any of the aforementioned smart people um, listening to this and uh, they are equipped with their feathers? Um, if they want to find out more about Open Phone Plus or or maybe even get involved in some of this for some of your community projects and and some contributing back, um, where's the place for them to go? Certainly our website, uh, openfoam.com. Um, uh, I either, either send any queries there. Um, many of you will already uh, know me. Uh, if, you, if you don't, uh, the social media has uh, contact details. By all means, uh, feel, feel free and happy to get in touch. I'd welcome it. Excellent. Thank you again, Fred. Thanks for coming on today. I know you were a little bit reticent about this, but uh, I enjoyed it. Good stuff. Thanks, Robin. Well, I guess you're still listening. You must have got something out of this. So why not hop over to TalkingCFD.com and sign up for the mailing list? Be good to have you. You'll get updates of new episodes and also more info about the end of season roundtable that I'm planning, where you can join me and some of this season's guests live for a little Q&A session. If that's your speed, then drop your email in the box at TalkingCFD.com and I'll keep you in the loop. 
see you next time.